Hello fans, Lauren here and welcome to Pursuit's Throwback Thursday podcast where we catch up with past Pursuit athletes to see what they've been up to since their crowdfunding campaigns ended. Today we're chatting with Alex Duckworth, Canadian halfpipe snowboarder extraordinaire. And for those of you that may not be familiar, here's a bit of a rundown. She's from Kingsburg, Nova Scotia, made her World Cup debut in 2005, was a Canada Games gold medalist, a two-time Canadian national champ, has had several top 10 finishes on the World Cup circuit, and attended the 2010 Vancouver Olympic Games with Team Canada as an alternate and forerunner. And in 2012, this is sort of when Alex joined us, she had her Pursuit campaign um, to help fund her dream competing in Sochi. And in 2014, she did just that with a 17th place finish. This chick has sort of done it all. She's been sponsored by the likes of Billabong, Oakley, Hampresso, West 49, and the list goes on and on. And interestingly enough, she's just decided to retire from the world of competitive snowboarding. So welcome, Alex. Thank you, Lauren. Quite the intro. Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for people that aren't so familiar, you know, thought I'd... uh, let them uh, see a little rap sheet of all of your very, very impressive accomplishments. Oh, my. Well, thank you. <laughs> How are you doing today? I am doing very well. It is sunny today here in Halifax on the East Coast. And you are on nice. the exact opposite side. With the exact opposite weather, in fact. Oh, so it's snowing or raining? Probably raining. We're, yeah, we're getting some strong rain over here, but maybe uh, sun on the weekend, you know? <laughs> Fingers crossed. Weather changes every 10 minutes, I'm sure. Yeah, no, that's the one thing the coasts have in common. Yeah. Although I'm sure you're pumped to be closer to the uh, mountains. Yeah, I am. <laughs> um, yeah, but I moved out to BC, I guess, about uh, seven or eight years ago. So I've been living here on and off in between training and competition, but I still seem to split my time between here and the East Coast. Uh, so, I, yeah, it's a kind of a nice contrast. I think Nova Scotia was always a really good place to escape and just, uh, you know, cool off. Yeah. And so would, if you had to pick one, if you had to pick just one. Ooh, it's, t- it's tough. It's really tough. But it would have to be Nova Scotia. <laughs> yeah, East Coast girl to the max. Yeah, woo. So when we launched your Pursuit campaign, I guess let's jump right into it. Um, What I thought was interesting, you had a really specific goal laid out in your video of $8,652 to be specifically allocated for your airfare to travel to the World Cup circuit when you're preparing for Sochi. So why did you join Pursue It? Um, Well, to do do just that. So um, the point I was at then, um, our team suffered a pretty big hit in terms of uh, funding on an, on a national scale. So we weren't getting much support from our federation. Um, and I think a lot of, a lot of sports deal with that. Um, some sports, some sports are lucky to have a lot of support from some of the bigger um, funding organizations, but uh, typically if your sport hasn't had a great track record in previous Olympics, then you're um, shit out of luck. So, (laughs) (laughs) so yeah, that's when we kind of had to get creative with our funding a little bit. Um, It was 2012. I'd missed out on 2010. um, And I kind of just decided to go all in, you know, like before 2010, I was, I was kind of maybe taking a little 
more of a laissez-faire approach uh, to getting to the games. If it happens, it happens kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, this time around, I kind of wanted to give all in, give it all, give it my all, and um, see where that lands me. But not really, not be able to say like I went all in and I didn't. Uh, there weren't any kind of corners I didn't round. So uh, that's when I launched the campaign start of 2012 I believe Mm -hmm. and yeah I wanted to make it something specific so like kind of a tangible goal so the the people who got involved would know exactly where the money was going to and flights were the number one thing in getting me to where I need to be so that was a good place for me to start well it, it quite literally paid off by the looks of it I mean you you were well over $10,000 actually by the end of it. Uh, did you sort of expect that when you started your campaign? Um, I, I mean, I, I was in a unique position, I think, as the, fir- the first athlete on Pursue It. I was really excited about the idea because, you know, it is a known thing that uh, athletes need the, that extra support and to be able to make it something about a community and getting people from your hometown, your family and friends behind you to actually support a specific goal like that, I think was something that was pretty untapped. So um, I was, I think I was, I really backed the whole model. I think it was really smart. And uh, yeah, to, to that end, I think I probably was pretty optimistic um, mm-hmm. that maybe I'd, I'd reached, I'd reached the goal of um, funding the flights, but by no means did I think I would surpass that. So it was really cool to see how how generous everyone was and willing to to get on board. And it's so good to see that four years later, the website is still up and running. Absolutely. And we've got some, you know, big goals in 2016. So um, we're definitely happy to have you here um, with our inaugural podcast. It makes sense to have the original, you know, with the first podcast. So that's awesome. Um, I was sort of creeping your video um, and I loved it. It was really cute, great music. And I noticed there was some really interesting stop animation. Did you draw those stick people yourself? Believe it or not, I did. That was me. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> they were, I mean, they were quite possibly the nicest stick figures I've ever seen in my life. So, uh, so artistic. <laughs> exactly. You know, I thought they might have been professionally done. Yeah, I know. A lot of people come to me and say, wow. Who did you pay to do this for you? (laughs) (laughs) The stick figures are pathetic for those of you who have not seen it. (laughs) Check it out. Good reason to go check out uh, www.pursueit. So I was sort of uh, going through your history. And as we sort of mentioned previously, you went to Vancouver Games in 2010. Can you tell us what the energy was like? Because, I mean, home country, you're Canadian Mm -hmm. in Vancouver. Yeah, well, um, yeah, it was amazing to be at those games. Um, It wasn't quite, I didn't get the experience of an athlete there as the alternate. We were um, kind of on our own. So Mm -hmm. I can't really speak to the athlete experience, but I heard it was the best in, in, uh, in years. I have teammates that were, went to three Olympics prior to that. And they said Vancouver was by far the, 
the best games they'd been to and the energy was so great and was so well organized and that was kind of the general review the olympics got was all really positive um so yeah even as a even as an alternate it was great to kind of be at least close to that world um on home soil because that doesn't happen too much does it i wouldn't imagine no (laughs) yeah so that obviously got you fueled up for sochi yeah i think so for sure um yeah you know i was i I had a i got to forerun the event so i was there on on the contest day and um that was kind of the extent of the experience for me is feeling all the energy from the crowd and um actually getting to snowboard on an olympic half pipe and um yeah i mean you just see how how big of a production is compared to all the events that uh we're going to on the regs so uh yeah that was definitely i think um motivation for sochi show that's awesome so when you finally got to sochi then you got the full athlete experience um if you had three words to describe the entire uh, experience what three would you choose Ooh, okay good one um let's see here i like that you're being Sleepless? deliberate your choices. <laughs> what's that I said, I like you're being deliberate about your choices here. Oh my god, this is a big question. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna say energized, uh, fun. Just fun doesn't do justice, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, energized, sleepless, <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, patriotic I guess that was the coolest part is that I wasn't I don't really have a background of following sports um and maybe that was because especially team sports a lot of the bigger ones mm-hmm. and may, and I always kind of associated that with being from a place that doesn't have um like a professional sports team so being able to go over there and have a team to cheer for um kind of made the whole thing make sense to me a little bit. So mm-hmm. I got really behind the whole thing. I spectated as many events as I could. And um, yeah, like the hockey games were just wild. Oh, we were, oh we I can only imagine. Very Canadian. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it, was, it was kind of funny. Um, when the games were in Vancouver, uh, I was living in Winnipeg at the time and we were watching the games on TV. And I've never really watched curling before, but we had sort of known that the curling team was supposed to do really well. And I distinctly remember sitting there and I can't remember what match, I guess. Is that what they call a curling match? (laughs) What match it was, but we were winning. And I distinctly remember screaming at the television being like, come on, you know, I I don't know any of the terms. So, you know, (laughs) hit the rock, get it out of there. But, you know, (laughs) as a fan, um, you know, cheering for team Canada is, sometimes just as exciting, but I'm sure being there live and having people cheer for you could, it would just be surreal, really. Yeah, totally. But it, it's cool. Cause you're still, you're still a fan, you know, it's just like mm-hmm. you're competing, but you're also just fanning out all over all your other teammates. And <laughs> fanning out. I like that. Yeah. I was fanning out on Crosby. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there it is. 
Do you have a little crushy on Sydney Crosby? <laughs> of course. A little East Coast connection there, maybe? <laughs> just, <laughs> I'm just trying to get him to give me a shout out. He still doesn't know I exist. Okay, so Sydney Crosby, we are going to find a way to get this podcast to you so you can then speak with uh, the extraordinary Alex Duckworth. So everyone make a note. So someone listening can get this to Sydney Crosby. Let's make it a mission. <laughs> Yeah, help a sister out here. <laughs> so I was curious because I'm someone that comes from team sports. Um, so individual sports would definitely be pretty different. So what does your, do you have a pre-race ritual? A pre-race ritual? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I didn't get into much like weird, I don't know, routine. Um. I guess I just, yeah, I I did, I grew an appreciation for having, um, like, control over what's happening in the morning. So I would, you know, have everything ready the night before, and I'd get up, I'd have a good breakfast, I'd funnel a bunch of coffee, <laughs> I'd get my iPod all queued up, <laughs> yep. go to the hill, um, and then... Yeah, and then I just kind of tried to kind of let it, but it was probably the stuff kind of leading up to arriving to the hill that was maybe most important for me. Um, yeah, I mean, I wish I had something weird, I could tell you. I had a teammate that would, like, freak out and sh- yell at the top of his lungs and then throw a snowball down the back of his jacket. <laughs> <laughs> down the back of his jacket? Like, down his back, down his bare Just back. to, like get super awake or what i guess so i'm just thinking like it's melting down your butt crack like halfway (laughs) down how how can that feel good (laughs) maybe it's i don't know heighten the senses i don't know that's that's pretty funny yeah i don't know i guess i did a bit of like visualizing stuff Mm -hmm. like that but nothing too exciting just the more disciplined athlete ritual sort of the same routine yeah, I mean, I just tried not to, like, take it too seriously up there. Mm-hmm. I think that's why, that's the beauty of our sport is we're all kind of just, we're all just chilling at the top for the most part and, you know, doing a bit of dancing, just trying not to uh, get our knickers in a knot. <laughs> well, that's probably a little more conducive to, you know, what you have to do as a half-pipe athlete, right? You sort of probably have to be loose Sorry. and can't be too tight. Oh, yeah, I would say so. Absolutely. And you're cold up there, too. So you're kind of, you're fighting, you're fighting that a little bit. So you're, yeah, you're having to like move around and stay warm for sure. And dancing's entertaining. So why not? So why not? (laughs) (laughs) So phenomenal career. And then in December, you announced you're going to retire. So can you tell us a little bit about that decision? Yeah, I can. Okay. That was a, yeah, that was, um, that was a decision that came to me maybe a little sooner than I had, um, expected. Um, but I'm really happy with the decision. I didn't have any, any regrets. Um, but ultimately it came down to a few things. Um, the first one was actually fear. Um, which isn't discussed a whole lot in our sport. And I don't know if that's 
because it's kind of a new sport and maybe our our um, high performance model doesn't really um, give enough credit to that that whole world of like mental health and feeling um, feeling safe in your like sport environment. Um, but that's something that came up that year, last year. Um, I just, I think it's something that comes with age a little bit. Um, and, you know, you start to register the risk a little bit more cognitively. So before I was doing these tricks and I didn't really know that they were so crazy. <laughs> now, <laughs> like, yep, that was pretty risky stuff. And kind of, um, kind of forced me to have, like have a good think about it. And um, I think our sport is, yeah, I think because we're these action sport athletes, we're meant to be fearless and and not vulnerable. And and that I kind of felt that a lot in the environment. And yeah, I just I wanted to sort of talk about that a little bit more, make it more of an open conversation that. Um, yeah, these are really scary things we're doing every day and we're all feeling a bit of fear and being able to talk about it more openly. And if we're having a day where our thought patterns aren't going the way we like them to, then um, that's a valid reason to take a day away from competition or training. Um, and so I, I then took a leave from competition in January based on that. Um, and then I kind of took the, I took the like winter to film a couple of my doc documentaries last mm -hmm. year, Fishing for Snow, and just focused on, um, focused on some projects like that. And, um, yeah. And then in the summer, I just, I was kind of enjoying being a bit stationary. Um, I think a gal in her mid twenties maybe needs a little bit more like stability and community and I, I wanted to plant my roots somewhere and like try and get a boyfriend for the first time and stuff like that. Sydney <laughs> so, Crosby. <laughs> yeah, Crosby was a <laughs> so that's the long that's the long of it. But those were the two the two main reasons. And you know it was a really good go. I didn't want to leave on a negative note. Mm -hmm. um, I'm walking away with minimal chronic injuries and I know that I've been lucky as far as that goes in our sport. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of where it landed me. So, and I'm, I'm, I mean, it's a big world out there, so it's easy to get, uh, kind of, you know, focused on one goal like this. And I'm so happy that I, I had a passion where it made sense for me to focus all my time into it for that part of my life. But now I'm excited to s explore everything else out there. Of course. So oftentimes when athletes leave their sport, um, especially when they've competed at such a high level, such as yourself, there can be some difficulty in transitioning, um, how would you say you've been feeling about your transition out of competing? Yeah, good question. Um, it's been, uh, it's, yeah, I, I don't know if the world is made for retired athletes, <laughs> but I think, I think I don't want to, you know, I don't want to like feel sorry for myself and I don't feel sorry for myself. I think 
people face transitions no matter what they do in life. And it's just kind of an art being able to transition gracefully and it might be impossible, but um, maybe just being aware of that and uh, kind of being kind to yourself has, has been the biggest lesson I've learned. So um, it's been interesting. There's good days and then there's, there's bad days, but I've, um, I've kind of taken the opportunity to try as many things um, as possible. So like hobbies, jobs that I would, I would have liked to have tried earlier in my life, but I didn't because I, I was too busy training or traveling. So I kind of, I kicked off my retirement with some pretty funny jobs. Um, anything from like working in a coffee shop to working at a nightclub. To, oh, really? Uh, taking hip hop classes to um, getting a job on a Nickelback music video and getting fired by Nickelback. Okay, okay. You need to uh, explain that a little more, I think. <laughs> oh my God. So I am... Um, yeah, this is my favorite story. It's like headlining my resume right now, fired by Nickelback. <laughs> so, okay. I had a friend. Well, first I thought that I was going to work in film. Like I was ready to go to film school. I just had created this um, illusion that film is the best job and I was made for it. And I'm not to be an actress by any means, but to work like in camera or production. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I I reached out to a friend who works in production in the city and I was like, yo, can you get me some gigs? I want to check this out. What's going on over there? And she says, funny you ask, um, because we just landed Nickelback and he's coming to shoot his music video in a couple weeks and their team is going to need a driver. And so I said, hell yes, (laughs) I will be Nickelback's chauffeur. Not a problem. Amazing. So uh, the day comes around. I moved down. I moved down from Whistler to Vancouver that week. So it's my fourth day living in the city. Don't really know the city very well. (laughs) Um, I'm all excited that I have a job as a chauffeur. I don't even consider the fact that I don't know the city or maybe I should like look up the map. And I pick them up at a hotel downtown and then I have to take them to the train station, which is about a seven minute drive. And I pull out of the hotel and I make, I make a wrong turn. And then I kind of get stuck (laughs) on this loop of one ways where I just entirely lost my orientation. And, uh, I'm like looking at my phone, trying to get my (laughs) GPS to work and my, I hadn't updated it, so it was being all glitchy. And meanwhile, they're, <laughs> they're getting on my back for texting while driving. And I was trying to explain oh, that was man. not what I was doing. And then and then it just escalated. They just started yelling and yelling and yelling. And I'm just Are sitting in the driver's seat. I just start to, like, entirely freeze and disappear into a shell. And, yeah, I'd never been yelled like that in a confined space and so I just froze up and oh, wow. I uh I, I got them there I didn't I got them there in like 15 minutes but the whole time I was like I don't know if this is working <laughs> <laughs> we could be heading to Whistler right now for all I know oh my who's riding shotgun so um 
nobody it was um it was their team so it wasn't actually chad himself but for the the purpose of the story you can pretend it was so it was their (laughs) like production direction team and uh yeah they were sitting in the back so we get to we get to set and they get out of the van just livid and they're like you fired and i'm like all right (laughs) so So like straight up donald trump style they're just like See ya. Yeah. So that was the first job that I got after after snowboarding. Wow. <laughs> that is um that's an experience for sure. I know. <laughs> so did they tip you? Hell no. <laughs> I had to ask. I don't know, you know. That's that would have been a nice twist, but I'm afraid they didn't tip. No. Maybe you could be an Uber driver instead. Uber's coming to Vancouver. They just announced it today. That's amazing. I think, I know there's been like a lot of hoopla about Uber coming to Halifax or not, or whether or not they're coming here, but I've heard a lot of votes for yes. (laughs) I mean, Um, I think they need to stop resisting it. It's just, that's the way, it's the way the world works these days. You're totally right. Definitely agree. So you mentioned that you uh, wanted to work in film. I watched your um, Fishing for Snow documentary. Phenomenal. Very brilliantly shot. I loved the the style of it. Um, so for those of you that haven't watched Fishing for Snow, definitely go watch it. Um, it's sort of about the, the snowboarding legends that have come out of Ski Martok. And it's kind of ironic that um, in a place like Nova Scotia that doesn't have a ton of very large mountains, we've produced... How many Olympic halfpipe athletes? There, there's been one at every Winter Olympics since 1998 or Yeah, 97? so we haven't, we haven't missed a game since 1998. So it's five consecutive games, but um, three athletes all together. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I think that's, uh, that's phenomenal, especially from someplace that's so small, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think... Um, the underdog story is a popular one and there was so many great people involved in that being the situation uh the folks at ski martok amazing coaches um and then just um i don't know that's kind of why i wanted to to make the documentary because i wasn't really sure you know what everyone attributed the success to and so ultimately we kind of determined and that it's just it's a really strong energy it's like an east coast thing and um yeah i think uh we're just a little bit gutty you know we're lucky to be from old scotia what would you speaking of that speaking of being from nova scotia what would you say that has contributed to um your success as an athlete or your personality that makes it conducive (laughs) that made it conducive for your success um oh hugely um yeah i think it had a huge impact i'm i'm nova scotia's biggest ambassador i'm such a fan um and the province is a huge a huge um source of support for me um the folks at the canadian sports center atlantic the you guys over at pursue it sport nova scotia everyone is just um you know, they go above and beyond and our provincial sport system is really superior to, um, 
to other other provinces. It's all done on a province by province basis. And um, no, we really we really get a lot of support from the province. And I think it's just nice to come from a small place. I think uh, I'd agree coming from my background uh, in volleyball, you know, you get the, it's almost easier to rally behind because the community is so small. It's, you know, if they don't know you directly, they know your mom or dad or uncle or something. Yeah. right? And uh, it's, it's really easy to expand that network. So um, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on that. Um, and you sort of mentioned that in your documentary and what was, I thought was interesting and, not being someone that comes from winter sports, you mentioned that a lot of the half pipes in Canada are actually disappearing. Um, mm -hmm. People aren't building them anymore yeah. due to the high cost. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's a bit of a problem in our country. And um, if we kind of continue on this path, it looks like we won't have Canada for much longer. And, um, or if we do, they'll be limited to kind of the professional athletes. And there's just no real grassroots movement around the sport anymore due to the, due to the drop in half pipes. So yeah, I wish I wanted to kind of create a bit of awareness about that as well and maybe motivate or encourage the resorts to reintroduce the facilities because half pipes were, really one of the first disciplines in snowboarding because, um, you know, the, the sport comes from skateboarding, which came from surfing, and um, the actual shape of the halfpipe was the first freestyle feature in our sport. And so halfpipe is now why we have slope style and jumps and rails. Um, it kind of all is rooted um in that and so to kind of eliminate the half pipe doesn't doesn't fair and it's just it's it's such a fun sport that uh I think it would be yeah it would just it would be a drag if um the next generation of snowboarders didn't really have the opportunity to learn there you go kitties that's a history lesson for you so everyone should advocate for the making of half pipes um, that's right. That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know that either. So thank you for sharing that. Um, and now you said you want to continue working in film. And I'll be honest, I creeped every single one of the videos that you made that you put on your website. And I thought every single one of them were great. They're super entertaining. Um, did you have an idea in mind of what you'd like to work on next? Or have you been dreaming about anything at night? Yeah. Um, well, I'd like to work more on um, my, one of my latest project, uh, Oregon Girls was like, the theme was kind of adventure, travel, um, activity, snow, like snowboarding and surfing. Um, but primarily just kind of going out there and having fun and just, just doing things that are, um, that are out there. So I think often, the media we see on professional athletes right now sort of presents the athletes um, on this pedestal where the things they're doing aren't really relatable to the audience. So um, to kind of bring that back a little bit and present it in a way where the audience can be like, that's really cool. I want to do that too. Um, it's sort of where I want to take things and 
um, that's exciting because it's promoting like healthy, active lifestyle, and um, hopefully we'll get the opportunity to work with some some cool brands and yeah, see where that takes us. Go to some cool places. There's so many places I want to I want to see where there's um, where snow exists that you might not think. Um, places like Hawaii, India, things like that. So that's sort very of the cool. Angle. So I'm working on a few things like that. So you're a winter athlete by trade, but uh, you mentioned that you that you're familiar with the water. You surf too. I actually don't. I boogie board. I boogie board. Okay. I don't know that I've done. I either can't of lie those. about it. <laughs> I got fired by Nickelback, and I boogie board. <laughs> boogie board, not surf. Big difference. <laughs> and so the Olympics are in Rio this year, um, in August. Are there any like athletes or sports that you might be following on the way to, I guess, the road to Rio, as everyone's been saying? Beach volleyball. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm excited for the summer games. I love watching summer games. Track and field is probably my fave. Um, but beach volleyball is a close second. I'm looking forward to it. And in, in Rio, that's going to be so fun. Absolutely. We're hoping to um, be able to support a few athletes here um, on their road to Rio. Um, we've had a couple so far, but um, looking for some more. So anyone listening, if you uh, know of any athletes that are working on their way to Rio, um, reach out to us here at Pursue It. Yeah. Yeah. Alex Duckworth is a huge proponent for us. So there you go. Take it from <laughs> her. <laughs> so that's sort of the... Uh, the catch-up piece, now I've got some fun questions here. I kind of want to keep this fun and open, so I've got some randoms. I mentioned to you earlier, you know, we're from the East Coast. There are certain things here, certain food-related things that uh, you just can't really get anywhere else. So I've got, I've got a couple of questions there. I had some, some of the guys in the office help me out with these. So um, okay. you let me know. Okay, so qu first question, chicken wings. Sauce on wings or sauce on the side of wings? Sauce on wings. On wings, really. I had a lot of, um, there's been a lot of arguing happening here in the office. Um, and we have uh, really? one guy in particular that uh, I guess would be dubbed the saucier of Norex and Pursue It. Um, and he's a big proponent of on the side due to the fact that you can have the appropriate quantity of sauce allocated to each wing yet still um, ensure the crispiness of said wing. Okay, I can understand that. But I don't think that sauce and crispiness are uh, mutually exclusive. <laughs> I, think, I think there's an art to application of sauce. But I just like when they do them, the sauce is like in all the nooks and crannies and you just get, you get more. It's better. I, I have to agree with you. It's got to, it almost has to be, you know, more invested in the wing itself. Do you have a favorite flavor? Um, I like hot, but ideally I'll go for like a hot honey garlic combo. So you're not like a suicide, eat these 10 wings that are going to make you cry as well as vomit sort of person? <laughs> uh, maybe I'd try one of those, but no, I couldn't make a whole order. No, me How either. about you? Ooh, I like to enjoy it, you know? You know, part of my roots are Chinese, so I'm used to eating a lot of hot food, but 
at some point it's gotta be more flavor than just heat for me. <laughs> so I guess that's maybe where I draw the line. If I can't keep eating it, if it slows down the pace of my eating, it's a problem. Totally. I understand. Agreed. Uh, yes. Agreed. So we're on the same page about the wings, but next question. So cumulatively over your lifespan, how many pounds of lobster do you estimate you've consumed? Okay. That's good. Uh, uh, 38, 38, 38 pounds. Okay. So you, is it more like a summer tradition for you guys? It is. Um, well, Christmas too, but mm -hmm. I attribute the low ish number to my, um, my absence, my having being away. Cause whenever I come home, I'm on it. So <laughs> had I, had I stuck around more, it probably would have been tenfold. So are you like a butter, a butter type person? Like do you dip in butter? Are you vinegar? Or you oh yeah, we're things? heavy on the butter. <laughs> yep. We're butter and then squeeze a little lemon juice in there, you know? Ah, yes, us too. Now, and maybe this is just a Cape Breton thing, but uh, I've heard that people from Cape Breton may or may not dip their lobster in mayo. And like not for like... Uh, like not a lobster roll. I'm not talking like a lobster sandy. I'm talking like out of the pot. They broke it up all the lobster, and instead of butter, they're dipping it in mayonnaise. Uh, no, I don't like it. No, me either. Mm -mm. So no, come on, uh, maybe we've just decided it's exclusively Cape Breton. Miracle Whip or I think I'm not sure. Would Miracle Whip make it slightly more okay? I think it would make it worse. <laughs> Too much zest. <laughs> Too much zest. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next, next Nova Scotia exclusive food. And we had sort of chatted about this earlier. The donair. Now that you know it, now that you're clear on what a donair is, how would you describe donair sauce to someone that has never actually consumed a donair? Okay. You guys, we were having some technical difficulties before this podcast started, and <laughs> this was one of the questions at hand. Uh, do you like Donair? And um, my instinct was no, and then I Googled it and realized that I had the wrong idea about Donairs, and I actually like them. Um, but <laughs> Donair sauce... Okay, so you're gonna get okay. You're gonna get a little sweet. You're gonna get a little creamy, and you're gonna get it's mm, a little garlicky. Yeah, garlicky, sweet, creamy, garlic sauce. Mm-hmm. That's, that's that is I, I think the that's perfect. That's how I can describe it. And I, the reason I ask is because I've gotten into, again, these heated food arguments. So I'm not really sure what that says about me. But uh, my coach in Winnipeg, yes, Diane Scott, I'm calling you up right now, has tried to explain to girls that have never had a donair or donair sauce, oh, yeah, donair sauce. It's a lot like tzatziki. And I cry no. false. Not even close. You think? I don't think it's like tzatziki or datsiki or however you want to pronounce it at all. It's, it's sort of like in a world of its own, really. And you don't really want to talk about what it looks like because 
It just yeah. <laughs> no, it's definitely it's a different category for sure. I'm with you. Oh. No, it really is, but uh, but that makes it tricky to describe. You know. It does. It does. It's, it's you really gotta try it. Own. Did you happen to listen to <laughs> the new Don't Air rap? By Yo, Quake Matthews called Quake Down with Matthews. the King. Mm-hmm. Shouts to Quake Matthews. Yep. I did. I did. Um, I tuned in. Um, KOD, you know, run yeah. KOD. <laughs> Those t-shirts pretty are brilliant. pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think he's hitting the mark there. Bravo, Quake Matthews. Bravo. If you haven't seen it, YouTube.com. The world's resources for every video ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So on your Univers- hobby university. list. Yeah. On your hobby list, um Red, did you like to sing karaoke? Mm, I do. Do you have like a go-to song? Um, I do. It's uh either Gangster's pra- Paradise or <laughs> Let Me Love You by Mario. Oh, good one. Uh-huh. Very good one. Definitely our vintage. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's too that fun. Airbnb is hot right now. Yes, I love it. Um, one of the guys here asked um, whether or not you'd ever sang karaoke at the Knot in Lunenburg. What's that? If you've ever sang karaoke at the Knot in Lunenburg. No, I've never actually been there when they've had karaoke. But the Knot, um, I have been to many a times. Now, it was described to me as a hobbit-looking pub. <laughs> True or false? Yeah. True. Very true. Can you uh, elaborate on that? Okay. It's, well, I think Lunenburg is associated with kind of like bright natural lighting, light pastel colors, kind of beachy, folky. And then you go into this place and it's all wooden, kind of dim lighting. Um, Each table is in this kind of little private booth. Oh. Um, and yeah, there's just not there's not a whole lot of light coming in there, so it feels like a real escape. That's too funny. Well, I guess maybe next time you're home, you'll have to uh, check out the karaoke. Yeah, I had no idea they were doing that. Now, are you a Trailer Park Boys fan at all? <clears throat> big time. Yeah. Big time. Uh, yeah. I'm a big fan. Um, which yeah. character, if you had to pick a character in terms of one that you relate to, uh, <laughs> could you pick one? Um, yes, 100%. Um, Ricky. <laughs> How about you? I, you know, I can also appreciate uh, Ricky. I think he's probably, well, they've all got their unique charm. And for anyone that isn't actually from Nova Scotia, I think it's kind of hard to get why the show is so funny. And I don't think so. That's been that's been the thing I've noticed most. That's probably the question I get most when people find out I'm from Nova Scotia is Trailer Park Boys. <laughs> it has this it has this crazy following worldwide, I feel like. It's cool. Oh, for sure it does, but I mean, I guess my uh, I just meant in terms funny. of actually it's... understanding it. Okay, like cuz it's yeah, funny it's as funny a standalone, but not that I know a ton of people just like that, but I guess the mannerisms, like the Rickyisms, that yeah, 
that's probably the thing I uh, relate to the most. He always comes from a good place. He might not go about it the right way, but. Yeah, no, totally. Charming, yeah. charming in his own way, in a very off-color oh, yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, innocent. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, I've got a few fan questions here, too. So these are from okay. some diehard snowboarders, and uh, you're definitely the idol of some of these people that I was chatting to. So um, a few more snowboarding-related questions before we wrap up here. Um, but the first being, what would you say your most fun adventure has been uh, that your snowboarding career has allowed you to experience? Ooh la la. Okay. And I mean, that could be a competition, but you've also been sponsored by some really, uh, really large companies that maybe you've gotten to do some traveling or something. So yeah, anything. That's good. Um, okay. I'm going to go with um, the, the Virgin Mobile Music Festival on Toronto Island. Um, this was 10 years ago, early days. Um, and it was my first big kind of sponsorship with Virgin Mobile. And uh, it was an extreme team of all women who uh, they had picked to kind of um, promote women in, women in action sports. And so they, um, they flew us all to Toronto to meet each other and get acquainted um, and go to this music festival on the island where we got to meet Richard Branson himself. Wow. And um, yeah, and then I, you know, we got right to the front, got to see the strokes up close and live, and I was just what we went at the time. So you can imagine how exciting that was for me. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I think, um, yeah, I think it's just the cumulative probably travel and, um, you know, there's so many little stories in every place we go, and it's hard to hang on to them all, but uh, I try and... I try and uh, write as many down as I can because it was it was good time. No, oh, no kidding. Second question: uh, What's the number one lesson you took away from Sochi? Ooh. Okay. Man, everyone's trying to get you to to, to get real cerebral here. I'm liking uh, it. Oh man. Okay, number one lesson. Mm. Drink water. <laughs> <laughs> Did you not drink enough water while you were in Sochi? <laughs> no, I uh, I'm pretty good at hydrating myself, but um, <laughs> the the circumstances had it that I needed to be hydrating more than usually. <laughs> Got it. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can imagine it's a a big celebration. Like, I guess when you were at Sochi, how soon in the games did your event happen? I was on the sixth day, so I had a nice little balance of, you know, get there, get into the groove, feel the energy, build up the anticipation and the nerves and the excitement, compete day six, and then have two weeks to spectate and celebrate. And and, um, and, 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 and that's the need for the hydration. <laughs> yeah, and just get better at hydrating. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Um, since your retirement, what's your focus been when it comes to riding? Um, <clears throat> it's been, it's been, um, well now just kind of riding for, f with friends for fun. Um, 
you know, not having to feel like I need to push myself anymore. Um, so on my own terms, which is really great. And then as far as kind of my um, snowboarding goes as um, uh, a job, I've been just focusing more on um, interesting stories and um, and various video projects on uh, things that I've kind of been curious about. So just trying to focus more on the storytelling side of our sport and um, yeah, just having fun. It's been great. Awesome. And now you clarified for me earlier that uh, you're not in fact a surfer, you're a boogie boarder, but is there a favorite uh, place you like to boogie board in Nova Scotia? Hurdles beach. Hurdles beach is my fave. There's, um, there's a, there's a bunch of really great surf breaks too out on the point down there. It's about 15 minutes past Lunenburg uh, on the South shore. But it's, uh, it's right where I grew up actually. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of been the summer hang for years. So it's always great to get out there and get your boogie on. <laughs> I'll have to check that one out that summer. I don't think I've been to that beach yet, but oh yeah, yeah, there's so many along, you know, the South shore and the North shore that are all offer something a little different, which is something else. I, I guess I love about being here. Um, and last question, who would you say your local heroes are and who would be some of your international idols okay well we're gonna throw Sid in there obviously (laughs) um my mom and dad heroes Mm -hmm. so many so many local heroes Sarah Conrad my old teammate and boarder yes um you guys at Pursue It man oh well thank you people are on fire back there doing big things it's exciting um and then internationally, who? Okay, let's see. Usain Bolt. And yes, good one. Obama. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> All right. So before we sign off here, Alex, what would be the one piece of advice you want to pass on to aspiring amateur athletes? Okay. Um, this one's good. Um, I think, I think the most important thing is, it sounds a little cliche and obvious, but it's also easy to, to lose touch of when you have a lot on the line and you're working towards a goal, but to kind of keep, keep things fun. If you're not having fun, try and, try and, try and switch things up a little bit. So surround yourself with good people and try not to take things too seriously and yeah hold yourself accountable I guess too you know get someone to help you with goals and break them down in a way that you can kind of track them I found that super useful that's really great advice hey thanks well thank you Alex for catching up with us Uh, And thank you all for joining us today. If you want to know who we'll be catching up with next time, like Pursue It on Facebook, follow at Athlete Pursuit on Twitter, and let us know what questions you want to ask our future athletes. Be sure to check out our website to see the campaigns we have on the go. And until next time, our world's best up-and-coming amateur athletes need your support, so keep making dreams happen. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Lauren.